Hola, hi everyone, and welcome to the Ondas Podcast. I am your host, Amelie Homer. And I'm so excited to have with us today, Amara La Negra. She's a rock star, she's a TV star, she's a musician, and she is changing the world as an activist. I am so honored and inspired to bring to you Amara La Negra. Okay, Amara. You know, actually, my one of my favorite and the song that, like, when I think of you, I walk around and I kind of dance to is Andale. I don't know. You looked amazing. It was beautifully shot. The mariachis, like, I love the, the intermix with the mariachis. You know, can, can you talk to me about that video? Well, actually, during the pandemic, I wasn't really sure if I wanted to put out music. Um, I just feel like, you know, everybody was trying to figure out what was going on. But then I was like, you know what? Let me just do it. So last year I put out the song Andale. Um, I wanted to do a fusion in between the Dominican culture and the Mexican culture. Um, as you can obviously see in the music video with the mariachis and everything. Obviously, un beso bien grande to all our Mexican brothers and sisters um, watching this at this moment. But I just kind of wanted to try something different. I think it came out pretty cool. I am grateful to Mike Montoya. He's in Miami, the director of the music video. Um, my producer, K.O. and just everybody overall. Um, the music video came out really nice, pretty cool. And it was just, talk- it was like coming out of my element. It was like my alter ego talking about where's my money at. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and um, it was different. So I thought it was pretty cool. You looked gorgeous in it. I mean, really just uh, fabulous. What was your favorite part of shooting that video? I think my favorite part out of shooting the video was just coming out of my element. I'm not necessarily a rapper, but... Don't, don't test me now, because we got to have, I can rap now, you know what I'm saying? So, I thought you killed it. I thought you killed it. So <laughs> I didn't, I never even questioned that you were not a rapper when I saw it, by the way. You know what? I think that's the beautiful thing about music. I think that's the beautiful thing about art, being able to experiment, being able to come out of your comfort zone, being able to do fusions, being able to try new things. And that, and that is what an artist does. You're supposed to be able to come out of your element and try something different. Everybody knows me for being real bubbly and fun and dancing and twerking and being really colorful. But then sometimes you want to show a more mature side of you, a more boss, you know what I'm saying, boss attitude and change it up a notch and then I just like to be able to show my fan base I can do a little bit of everything yes well I think that's what makes the Afro Latinx community pretty amazing in and of itself by the way because I think we do have this ability to cross over so many different areas genres styles right and if you think about just the topic of hair okay because i know we were talking about hair and your hair always looks awesome um but hair comes up in in this podcast as a really hot topic people our guests love it and it sparks a lot of conversation but where are you in your hair journey let me tell you where i am right now look let me (laughs) okay let me tell you about me I always say that my hair, my heart, my hair is part of me, but it's not who I am. You know what I'm saying? Um, under this wig, I have my natural textured hair. Um, I don't perm. Um, it, it took me a really long time. Like, I'm an artist. I'm, I should be able to be, you know, changed whenever needed. And I don't have a problem with that. I think this is kind of fun. It's like an extra element. It's like rocking long nails and lashes. 
I can put it on, I can take it off, but it doesn't take away from who I really am and was what naturally grows out of my scalp, which is my Afro, which is what I've always proudly uh, showcased to the world. It's kind of like my signature look. Um, and I love my hair journey. It, it just is like kind of my way of being rebellious towards society's standards of beauty. Society considers that in order for a black woman specifically, um, and I can only speak but for myself, for you to be beautiful, you have to have straight hair. And for many years, como Dominicana, right? We're known, we're very known for hair. My mom used to perm my hair. I used to burn my scalp. I used to suffer so much. And I ended up asking her when I was really young, I was like about 15, 16. I was like, so you're over here basically torturing me so that I can stand to society's standards of beauty. Why? Because what I naturally have is not beautiful enough. And when I was able to speak so maturely to my mother and she understood where I was coming from, she apologized to me and she understood I had a, a better understanding of who I was. So therefore, I embrace my hair. And to all the women out there, rock your hair, your natural textured hair. If you want to wear braids, wigs, lace front, you do whatever makes you happy, but do it for you and not to satisfy society. I hear you and I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I spent same experience 15, 16 years, blowing it out, straightening. And three years ago, I said, no mas. I'm embracing my curly hair and I'm going down this curly hair journey so I can relate. And I have to, though, compliment you because my favorite hairstyle on you is when you have it in your Afro. I love yes. it. It's so reminiscent of that retro sort of Afro queen, you know, those paintings that we would see in the 70s is so sexy and beautiful. So you can bring that on anytime. Bring it back. Bring it back because I love it. But yes, Thanks. you look amazing <laughs> in every hairstyle that I see you in. But that's my favorite personally. Me too. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you may you, you had that message out to, uh, you know, to other women, but especially Afro Latinas. Um, who are, you know, especially in DR, I know that there's a movement for, for there to be more of that, um, you know, loving who you are, loving your natural, your natural hair. What, how do you, how do we influence other Afro-Latinas to embrace their natural beauty? Mira, I would say that the best way to encourage, motivate, inspire other women to rock their natural textured hair first comes with education. First comes with understanding of who we are, where we come from, where did this brainwash mentality comes from? It, it, we first have to have a clear understanding of those things first in order to inspire and tell someone else, this is what you have to do or this is what you should do. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I think it's that. And also it comes from an early, early age, your little sobrinita, your little, your little niece, your little sister, all of them, it starts from there, creating that confidence from a very early age of, mama, you are beautiful, your hair is amazing, you are so special that your hair comes naturally this way just for you, just being able to encourage them because even with bullying, with cyberbullying, with everything that's going on, little girls need to understand and know, also as well with social media, the things that they see, these standards that they see they need to see more celebrities more influencers more people that cater to who they naturally are in order for them to understand because sometimes you know you can't help it they see social media they see these big celebrities these iconic celebrities of this generation and they feel that they should look like them they should have hair like them bodies like them and we need to kind of as adults as us right 
break that stereotype for them and explain to them they're adults, they're artists, this is an image, but this is reality, you know? So I think it's just acceptance first before we need to accept us first before we can tell someone to accept them. That's beautiful. You said you start with education. I think that's that's actually really smart. That's that comes with owning who you are, right? And really identifying. Right. You are phenomenal in terms of wearing your identity on your sleeves. You don't see that often, particularly in the Afro Latinx community. Um, and you're really our hero um, when it comes to owning your unique identity. Uh, can you just maybe help the listeners know how do you identify? I know we've been throwing the Afro Latinx and the Afro Latina term around, but tell us all as we listen how do you identify and why? So um, obviously, because I, I, this this comes for a lot of people that still don't understand and get it to this day, they'll be like, Amada says she's not black. No, what I'm saying is I am Afro-Latina. That means, obviously, you can tell that I'm Black. I'm always Black and proud, but culturally, I am Latina. I am Dominican, and I'm very proud of that. You know, I always say um, slaves weren't just dropped off in America. You know, we have to be clear that. That's why education is important. We were dropped off in every single part of this world. So in the Caribbean, like here, I, I, it was funny because I brought my, my manager um, at some point, I brought him over here to the Dominican Republic and he was shocked to see so many black people that looked just like the black people in the States but spoke no English. And they were like, this is so weird. I'm like, there's nothing weird about it. <laughs> there's a whole bunch of us that look like this that don't speak English. You know, this is our culture. This is who we are. We, we, we have the same features. We, we're the same thing. So I am proudly Afro-Latina. I am Dominican. I am a Black woman first overall because that's the first thing that you see. Um, and that's basically, and yes, I was born in the United States. I was born in Miami. I know it's a little bit hard to understand. There's a lot of information right there. I was born in the States. I'm Dominican. I'm Black. I'm Latina. I'm all of those things in one. <laughs> I love it. And I love all of those things. And I can relate. It's hard for people to figure out, like, how are you American? But yeah, you know, you're Dominican, too. And it's it's definitely hard, complicated. We're a complicated culture and people. So and that's what makes us special. Um, yeah. But, you know, just to sort of switch the, 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 the script here a little bit. Um, on the same topic of race, you know, I felt that what happened, you know, um, last year over the summer with the killings of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Aubrey and, and really the social unrest that ensued immediately thereafter. I was impressed that I thought you were, I honestly thought you were the only Afro-Latina. I'm sure there were other Afro-Latinx people out there representing, but in the media, you were one of the only Afro-Latinas out there. It was so impressive and so inspiring in so many ways, but yeah. how, you know, you were out there in the front lines. How do we, like, what's your view on, on on race and equality and this movement that's happening right now? Mira, let me tell you something. Like I said before, um, even before we started this interview, I, I told you, you know, I'm so grateful that you guys allowed me to use this platform to continue bringing awareness about the Afro-Latino community. And uh, this is something that I really take to heart. Like, I, I'm really about it. When uh, the George Floyd situation, unfortunate situation happened, um, and the protest started, I was the first one that I felt like I need to be there. I I felt like I was there for my children. I was there for my grandchildren. I was there for my ancestors. I was there for every single bloodline that's going to continue after me. Because if I didn't do something about it, who was? And, I, you know, it was hurtful to see a lot of celebrities posting, but I didn't see them 
you know, out there fighting or doing anything with us. I was like, take away your celebrity, you know, act and just go as a person, as a human, as a black person. If you have brothers, sisters, families in this country, they don't they don't judge you based on who you are, your education. They judge you based on what they see. And the first thing that they see is that either you're you're a minority or you're you're black. Basically, you're dark skin. It's fear It's be aware. It's they're going to attack us. And I'm like, that's not the case. So it was hurtful to me. I think that it was necessary. It was it was a it was a sad awakening to a lot of people, but it was necessary. It was pathetic to me a lot too to see a lot of people saying that they didn't even know that there was racism, that they weren't aware that black people were being mistreated. I'm like, how are you not aware? You are aware because you wouldn't want to be treated like us. So that means that you know what's going on. So it's it's a lot of mixed emotions. Um I feel sad now that after it happened, you don't see people talking about it anymore. Nobody's posting anything anymore. It's like, all right, it was trendy. It was fun. It was cool. I went out there, took my pictures. It's over. It is not over. It continues to happen. And I'm like, how many more people have to die in order for something to really make it, you know, to be a true change? Have I seen a true change, a true difference? No, not to me. I feel that it's been very lightly They've done things over the surface just for, for looks. Um, but deep down in the core, the source of the issues of racism, classism, racial profiling, racial injustices, all these things, I don't see a difference. Yeah. And I think it's it was um, indicative in the insurrection that happened <clears throat> in the nation's capital uh, um, in January. I mean, when we saw that spectacle uh you know turn out you know it definitely was eye-opening that we're change this this journey of change is going to be a longer journey than 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 certainly you know we anybody would want but what were your thoughts on on those events well i mean i won't say too much about it because i think that you know we already know but the obvious but we all think it what we all saw all i'm saying is if, there, if that would have been a whole bunch of colored black people the the outcome would have been different they would have all been killed shot bombs all types of things however a lot of these people after going to jail they got the opportunity to walk out free as if nothing had happened they're out here you know um posting things on ebay doing all kinds of crazy stuff and nobody even nobody's even talking about it but if it would have been black people the whole jail system would have been would have been brought down with so many people that were that were at that event. So that alone shows you that even after the George Floyd and after the protests and after everything that has happened, nothing has changed. There will there is still white privilege. There will continue to be white privilege as much as we want to say that it's not. There will continue to be white privilege. This is something that has happened for so many years that there is so much work to be done in the core and the center of the issue that this is not going to be, you know, over, you know, overnight is it's not going to be done. I agree. And, and, uh, you know, back to the point that you were making earlier, uh, you know, I think it's systemic, right. And, and I think people need to realize uh, that, you know, the issues that we're dealing with, that we're all dealing with are deeper um, than, than, you know, what we're seeing on the surface, at least from a change perspective, we definitely would have been still talking about the insurrection if it was predominantly black and brown folks out there um, at, at the nation's capital, you know, Correct. 
responsible for that destruction. So I completely agree. Um, I also think that our Afro-Latino community um, and Latino community needs to show up a little bit more to help, right? And like I said, you were one of the few that I saw out there like actively participating and contributing. How do we, how do we get folks to show up unapologetic about race, our Latino community, our Afro-Latino communities? How do we get them to show up? Let me tell you the reasons, and, and I always clarify, this is only but my own personal opinion. Let me tell you one of the reasons why I feel that the Afro-Latino community doesn't show up as much, or they can get lost in the mix. A lot of, this comes from lack of education, ignorance. A lot of Latinos don't consider themselves to be Black. They consider themselves to be Latinos, right? And... Um, there's just, there's just a very thin line of what a Latino is, right? And what uh, being Black is. And I also feel that when we talk about Black Lives Matter or a lot of, a lot of um, situations that have to be associated to racism, they don't necessarily include the Afro-Latino community. They feel that it's just referring to African-Americans. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case. It's, it's all of us. Because I say the first thing that you see before you hear me hablando en español y hablando normal como una dominicana, como una latina, the first thing that you see is that I'm black. My blackness can come from anywhere. I could be Jamaican, I could be Haitian, I can be from anywhere. So I feel that that lack of ignorance of, oh, that's for black people. They're not talking about us. Yes, we're talking about you too. I know that you feel that because you're a little bit light-skinned, um, that you ain't black. I'm sorry. Where do you think you got that booty from? Those features you got, that comes from us. All those things that comes from us. So to me, it's like, I think, like I said before, the lack of education, the ignorance is what causes a lot of people to not want to show up and say, this is this was happening also includes me. They feel that this is for African-American. That's their issue. That doesn't include us. And that is mis that's just misinformation. Well, it's also talking about it more, right? And I think you um, shining a light on it, being out there representing, talking about it, this podcast, that's the intent of it. It's really to help educate, help people own you know, the, their Afro-Latino culture, their roots. I mean, more Africans were brought to Central, South America, Latin America, the Caribbean, um, first than they were brought to the United States, right? So I think, you know, that in and of itself is a reality check from an educational perspective. So I, I commend you for, for talking about it because education also comes with awareness and having people like you who are in the limelight, who are in media, talking about it and, and shining a light on it, I think is, is, is critical um, to, to making that shift. Um, but let's talk about your career. Um, what was your career journey like? I mean, I, I somewhat know the story because I have to do my research, but for the audience, can you tell me a little bit about your career and what that journey was like? My career started, um, so I was born in 1990. I won my first trophy, my first beauty pageant trophy in 1991. So my mom had me doing baby beauty pageants. Um, I started, and then in 94, I did uh, Miss Chiquitica and Sao Gigante, which was, it was a very well-known 
TV show for the Latin community. I was there for six years every Saturday. Then I became a background dancer for Univision. I was dancing for Premio Nuestro, Latin Grammys, all those things as a background dancer. Um, I did commercials for Disney. I did all types of things. And then um, eventually around the age of 16, 17, I came to the Dominican Republic. I started singing here. Then I started working as a TV host in Mega TV in Miami. Then I worked in radio as well as the radio host. Mija, I've done it all to get to, to where I am today. So you can only but imagine. It's amazing. Um, I want to see more of you. Um, and I want to see, you know, more, more people that look like us um, in media. So, so, you know, in terms of your career, like how do you take all of that, that hustle that you've brought to the surface and that has made you who you are today. How do we take that to leverage that as, a, as an opportunity to change how society judges us, right? We are Black when you see us, but we're Latinos. We speak another language. We love all different kinds of music and culture. How do we use your, your limelight, your stage, your platform to change um, and, and, and flip the script, so to speak, on, you know, what the standard of beauty is? Well, I'll start by saying I come from an immigrant mother. Um, so therefore, as immigrants, they naturally have that hustle that was passed down to me. You have no other option when you want to succeed in a country that you don't understand the language, that you don't have any family. You have nothing else but to work your butt off. And that work ethic was passed down to me. Um, for those that may not know, you know, I used to sell flowers in the streets with my mom. I used to clean houses. I used to do all types of things. Therefore, you know, working is not anything that I am ashamed of at all. Um, and I am a workaholic. I am a natural hustler. So, you know, I touch, I knock on many doors. I knock on many doors. I'm never fearful of a no or rejection. It's fine. You know, I'm already used to it. I'll knock again eventually. And um, if, I, if, if, I, if anything, I would say, you know, when it comes to society standards, like I said before, it all comes with acceptance. You know, it took me a long time to, to accept my big butt, to accept the color of my skin. Thank God it was my mom. My mom was always very supportive. She was always very supportive of me, but it took a long time for me to understand and accept those things. Um, but just being able to have more people like myself, if you are a celebrity, an artist, an influencer, whatever the case may be, and you have a platform, encourage your fan base not only to see your fake, luxurious life, but also to embrace and love who they are, you know? Um, I think that that is our duty. Our duty is to not only showcase our music, entertainment and all those things, but also to bring a positive message to those that follow us because we are who they see. We are who they, who inspire, who inspire other people. You know, they look up to us to a certain extent. So, and most importantly, let me blame and point the finger to all the producers, A&Rs, directors, all those that have the power to make a difference Basically, you know, with what we have now, the visual aspect of it, I blame you guys because you continue to have the same prototype and the same, you know, uh, look of in every single movie. Even when you look at novelas, novelas, not everybody's Mexican with all due respect. Shout out to our Mexicans, but not everybody has a Mexican uh, accent. Todos los Latinos no somos iguales. We don't all have blue eyes and blonde hair. We don't. The Latino spectrum is so wide 
Why isn't that portrayed more visually in movies? And not only that, but the roles that we get to play. Why if a black person like myself as a Latina plays a role, we have to be drug addicts, the, the killer, the raper, the why? Why aren't there any protagonistas, any like, you know, main characters playing positive roles that can be motivational, inspirational to others? So, like I said, the line goes on and on, but I blame them too. Yeah. And I think, look, it's going to change, right? I mean, with more people like you, uh, again, you know, sort of shining a light on it, I think it's going to, we're going to see it, we're going to see an evolution of that. So, so I, you know, I, I hope I continue to see you and more people like you represented as the standard of beauty, as the standard um, of, of what excellence looks like because you are living it in real life as you said you've you've been a hustler yeah. all your life you're hardworking. I can attest I feel like it's in the Dominican DNA um you know that that that's that's what we do uh we work hard um we have a lot of pride in who we are and we have a lot of pride in 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 that ethic so Giving that notion, um, I know that you're also very humble about, you know, um, your ability to give back to your community. And I know you do amazing things in that realm. And I want to hear about some of the things, some of the projects that are special, near and dear to you um, that you're working on today. Bueno, on my behalf, I have a very soft heart, which is terrible sometimes. So here in the Dominican Republic, I work also with this foundation called John Peame. I Guys, Feel free to go check it out on Instagram. They help so many people here in need. Um, during the pandemic, I gave out food. I fed about 300 and something families. Um, I'm always looking for ways to support those in need. I don't always make it public. Sometimes I do because if you don't, then it's like, oh, Amara doesn't help. But then if you do it, it's like, oh, Amara just does it to, you know, finesse and flaunt. And it's like, okay. And make people happy um and i always do it just hoping that i can inspire someone else that may have more than i do to help because i may not be the most millionaire and i may not have the most but my heart is in the right place and i do the best that i can with what i have and i um always reach out so i currently am, i'm like i said before working with jumpeame um this year i also was working with saint jude um i just like to help i just like to help because i feel that the day that you die you don't take any of the things that you buy. You don't take any of those things. The only thing you take are the things that you did for others. And I want to be able to be remembered. I want people to say, you know, Conchale, once upon a time, there was this girl named Amara La Negra. Mm -hmm. And she did this for me, or she inspired me this way, or thanks to her. It's the same way that I see Celia Cruz. I see Celia Cruz, and she doesn't even know how impactful she was to my life. And that's one of the reasons why I'm here today. So I just want to be that for someone else, too. Well, you just perfectly transitioned to my next question, which is, first of all, thank you for giving back to the community. And please do not be shy about it. Do not be humble about it because it is amazing. And others like yourself need to see that and step up to the plate as well. So, so thank you for that. Um, but, you know, speaking of Celia Cruz and, and her being an inspiration to you, who are some other amazing Afro-Latinas that are making a difference today that influence you? Can you name any? <laughs> um i'm sure that there's a whole bunch of them that are you know look is it just I, you? it cannot be just you amara no no no. of course of course we're gonna make it we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna shout no, it out no. 
No, no, no. Of course, it's not just me. I've spoken to so many amazing, powerful Afro Latinas in, in different panels and different things that I have done. I would say I don't want to name just one. In the same way that a lot of people look at me and they see me as the front line, you know, the face of the Afro Latino community. I feel that besides me, there's so many amazing Afro Latinas overall that in different parts of the world that are doing their part. As a matter of fact, not too long ago, I spoke. Oh my God, I wish I remember his name. Um, this this amazing guy. He's from Panama. And he's over there really fighting for the Afro-Latino community as well. So I'm like, somo mucho, somo mucho, incluyendo de ti. You're one of them too. Look at what you're doing right now. You know what I'm saying? So it's a whole bunch of us that are making a difference. Absolutely. Well, I got to you um, somewhat through my last guest, Yvette Peña, who is the multicultural marketing leader at AARP. And, you know, she, when I asked her a similar question, she just ran through this list of names of people who are really making an impact. And I am hoping that I can continue to elevate voices like yourself now and, and, and for many, many years to come because we're out there and we're making a difference. And, and I, I, again, commend you for doing that. Um, I know you always talk about your mom as your, as your primary influencer. You know, is there anything special that you want to share with the audience about, about her? Bueno, I briefly, she's actually waiting for me outside. So I'll briefly be leaving right now too. Dame, dale mi amor, because I have a mommy too, sing, raised by a single mom, and I, I can relate so much with your relationship with her. Yes. Oh, my God. I love my mom. Oh, my God, mom. My mom's our best friend. Um, I love her so much. We argue all the time. She gets on my nerves, but I couldn't live my life without her. I'm so grateful to her because everything that I am is thanks to her. I know that sometimes she can be very hard on me, but um, my mom always says that sometimes she's a little bit tougher on me because she can see the things that I am capable of that I can't see myself. She's like, you're my daughter. I raised you. I know exactly how you move, how you breathe, how you eat. I know everything about you. And I know what you're capable of, even when I can't see it myself. So I'm grateful for her. Um, she's, she's my motor. She's like the gas to my, to my car. And she keeps me going honestly, because if it wasn't because of her, listen, this is a very tough industry. It's a tough world. And raised by a single mom, you understand how hard they have to work in order to maintain you. And not just that, but then on top of that, in her case, be like, you know what? Out of all the careers in the world, I want to be an artist. So you know how expensive this career is? <laughs> so she had to put in a lot of work. And I'm grateful because, um, you know, I'm, I'm here today. I actually did good by her. See, I was like, you see, all hard work was actually Look, it was worth it. I'm sure she is so proud of you, Amada. And um, and we thank her <laughs> you yes, know, yes. For, for making it possible, for having you here with us today. So so with that, I mean, what's next? What's next for Amada? I mean, I'm going to wrap it up by saying this. What is up for, what is next for Amada? Bueno, mija, I don't even know where to start. Um, I would say, one, I'm working on my second edition of my children's book, Amarita's Way, which, by the way, the first edition is available right now on Amazon.com and Barnes and Nobles in Spanish, English, and in French. I am also working on my own cosmetic line with Andy Hilfiger, um, which I'm really excited about that. See, I felt like I had that on the... That's huge! But I can talk about it now because I already signed a deal. Um, I'm also working on my own skincare line, working on the fourth edition of Love and Hip Hop Miami. And I might be coming with a new love interest. Mm, stay tuned for that. Um, what else? There is movies. There is a whole bunch of other things, a whole bunch of other projects. I also 
just signed a deal with iHeartRadio for my own podcast show. So stay tuned for that as well. Me, I'm all over the place. And I am here in the Dominican Republic doing investments um, now that I have my real estate um, investment company here. So, you know, keeping busy. Thank you so much. I end my my uh, interviews with a fun question. And so I'm going to ask you because I think you said your mom is a cook. And so yes. I know you have a, you know, we all Latinos love our traditional Latin cuisine. So I wanted to ask you, what is your favorite? Mija, what do you want me to say? I'm Dominican. Mira, I love my mango con queso frito, salami o frito con su cebollita and everything on the top. You already know. That's me. Let's go. I love it. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I mean, pretty much anything with platanos, you have me at hello. But um, yes, mango is up there on the list and seems like it's a popular one for, for most of us and for most uh, Dominicans. So it so, is. So I thank you so much. Thank you. I, I, it has been a pleasure having you with us. I Likewise. Many great things for Amara La Negra. Um, in this future. I, I mean, congratulations on the amazing connections and, and projects that you have going on. I can't wait to see them in action and I will be the first to buy your, your beauty line. So let me know when that's available and out. Um, but thank you so much for, for honoring us with your presence. I am excited to be able to talk about you and shine a light on your amazing influential afro latinx career and all of the amazing things you're doing for our community as well amen amen thank you so much and like i said before thank you so much for allowing me to use your platform to continue educating people about the afro latino community and continue bringing awareness i love you guys so much stay tuned uh to amara la negra by the way guys go follow me at amara la negra aln amara la negra aln so that you can follow me you can buy all my products and everything that i'm doing with my life so i love you guys so much i'll see you guys soon gracias amara ciao thank you Thank you so much, Amara, for joining us and gracing us with your beauty and your amazingness. And thanks so much for listening, guys. And please check us out on social media. Our handle is Ondas Podcast. And spread the word. Let's elevate our Afro-Latin voices. Mucho amor. Hasta la próxima.